Hello, my name is Richard Bolas, and welcome to the Dad Mindset Show, where we explore different perspectives on being a father. This episode, I talk with James Cummins, who, as a father of seven kids, has quite a rare perspective on fatherhood. James discusses things like how he allocates his focus. What battle are we going to take? Um, are we going to get caught up in how messy the room is, or are we going to get caught up in um, what's not done that I plan to have done? Two ways he gets tasks done. Just be mindful that, oh, I've got some great leverage here, so I'll don't forget to use the leverage and get a task done. James and his partner Fiona seem to do such an amazing job bringing up their family, I had to get one of them onto the show. I hope you really enjoy this chat. James Cummins, welcome to the show. Rich, lovely to be here. It's lovely a, to be in your show. <laughs> it's, it's great to have you on uh, because basically we've been talking about this for so many months now. And, um, and you know, you've got such a wonderful large family. I've been really keen to pick your brains and find out what it's like having seven children. So that's the key sort of, you know, you, you, you're right out there when it comes to being a, a dad plus. Gee, so I'd to love to pick someone's brains to know how to actually do it properly, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, so just... Taking a step back, though, you were originally born in London. Um, what, like, how long did you stay in the UK? Um, you know, uh, that was a short that. trip. So I was just born there and came back to Australia at three years of age. My father was working, uh, went over to the UK and worked for a period as what? a doctor. Right, um, and he was specialising, and uh, yeah, and then came back. I recall it was it was around three years, but I don't really recall. Um, any of the time there. Gotcha. Okay, so your family was originally from Australia. Yeah, so it just allows me to get a British passport, or I had a British passport, and my partner, she had a British passport through her father, so that allowed us to do a bit of travelling together. So that was a perk of being born in London. There's a lot of negatives for being born in London. You get hassled for being caught upon. <laughs> yeah, so I don't I tell know, everybody. I know all about that. <laughs> um, yeah, but the accent... Um, I don't think you'd, you'd, you'd pick up on it. It's all Australian. It's not very Cockney, is it? No, it's not. No. <laughs> now, um, so uh, how many siblings do you have? So three older sisters. Uh, they'd be seven, eight and nine years older than me. I'm 49 now. Uh, yeah. And so you mentioned that your dad was a doctor. Um, what was, how did he manage to get uh, like a placement over in the UK? Is that a normal thing? Um, so he was specialising uh, to become a neurosurgeon and I think that was just, uh, at the time, um, for him it was the place to go, place to be. I think they were kind of leading the charge in in that field that he wanted to specialise in um, or was specialising in. So he, he kind of took that opportunity and he was there I think for, I can't, I don't, I'm not sure, I think it's, I'd imagine it would, it would have been two or three years. Right. Okay, and then you came back sort of after a couple or three years. And then what do you think were your favourite memories as a kid? Um, favourite memories probably are centred around um, playing sports, um, loved playing football, loved going to the football with my father because um, that was a real uh routine that we had probably went for from the ages of seven to 14 and we would go every single saturday and follow the kangaroos um and that would take us 
you know, here, there and everywhere to all the suburban grounds. And, um, yeah, that was just great to get out in the elements. Um, and it became very f- familiar routine. So it had that kind of element too. And then it was always, you know, we were passionate. So it was a, a boisterous kind of uh, experience and a lot of, um, you know, excitement and energy. Uh, so I, I looked forward to that. And then, of course, that um, kind of fed into, you know, a passion for playing football. So I'd play for the school team and um, uh, I'd also play for a local team. So that was pretty consuming as well. But that was perfect for a, um, you know, a boy, you know, someone who's 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years of age. What else would you want to be living for? Yeah. So, yeah. And would it be just you and your dad going to the footy? So, no, we would go with um, anyone that wanted to come along. So, and over the years, it would be different um, people for different periods. So, we would have, um, it might be friends from school or it might be relatives, an uncle and um, a cousin, they would come. Uh, it's fun, depending on who you're supporting. So they, in that case, they were Hawthorne supporters, but they were happy to come to, to some of the North games as well and then we'd go, uh, they always come to the Hawthorne games. Um, friends from school that were North supporters um, or, or early friendships and then these children became North supporters and they would um, get into a routine of coming for a period and, yeah, it just kind of unfolded like that. So that was a great passion uh, for me. Loved doing that. And yeah. that was a routine on a Saturday morning of getting ready for going to the footy. Great. Do you, do you have any favourite holidays that your parents took you on? Um, coming down here to Torquay, that was a fantastic holiday. Um, and then they uh, bought in Torquay, bought a beach house. and then we where, where are we right now? Uh, in this very house, yeah, <laughs> where it's all um, nice and quiet, no children. <laughs> Because uh, I don't think I could find a quiet room in the house. <laughs> Me uh, neither. <laughs> with, with the echo that goes on back at home. So, yeah, um, down, I think Torquay was, always had fond memories um, playing with cousins that were down here. Um, um, so holidays spent here were always um, on my list of the best memories, I think. Would it be pretty much every holiday that you'd come down to the beach house? I'd say so, yeah. It's yeah. super convenient. It's what fifty meters from the beach. Yeah, perfect. And then you get on your bicycles, and then just we just ride here, there, and everywhere. Spend time at the beach, and and just be a. Um, you can just let time. You don't have to think about time at that age, and and you can just spend hours and hours at the beach. Of course, when you you know in that age age bracket. Yeah, and uh, uh, sorry. I didn't catch whether you mentioned at what age your parents bought the house. So they, I would have been about eight years of age, yeah. So that would have been in um, around that age, 78 type of, 77, 78, something like that. Oh, perfect. Mm. Nice. And um, you mentioned when we were talking earlier that um, one of the most important moments in your childhood was being given an orange Malvin Star bike. Yeah. Now, when I'm thinking about... Um, early memories that one stood out why exactly I don't know but it was very special and um, and I still got a vivid picture of it right now thinking about it Um, it was just something that was refitted it used to belong to my sisters um, and then my father put a uh, um, just the the crossbar on top of their of that bike I think it was designed to eventually be optional it can be a girl's bike or a boy's bike 
Um, but I thought that was pretty cool. So I must have been six or seven, and it was just like a, a spangly orange. And it was just that, just just right to, for a kid to um, find new freedom. Freedom, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got your wheels. So that was, yeah, that was um, a big memory. Uh, do you have any other sort of vivid memories of maybe spending time with your dad as a kid? Um, let's see. Uh, he was quite busy. So it was kind of like those Saturday afternoons were the time with him. The other times with – and so he'd be either working, working into the evenings, um, so not so much during the week. But probably the sun, maybe the Sundays or as I got a little bit older in, um, uh, I suppose, 12, 13, 14 years of age, he uh, he was always doing something um, around around the house. He was very much a hands-on um, – uh, you'd, you'd say you'd think he was an electrician. He was always – wires were always sticking out of the house um the plumbing um renovating uh the house so i was his right hand man because the older girls didn't really um just weren't that person that was going to be with him all the time so i was his um lackey and um i'd be picking up little things from him but in the end it was pretty I think I was, he was a surgeon, so I was probably like his nurse. So if we were under the house doing the plumbing, I was the one that was always handing him um, the tools and he'd call out for the certain type of wrench <laughs> or, or the certain fitting and uh, I'd be handing them to him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I probably felt like a, a theatre nurse or something like that. <laughs> so do you think that sort of hands-on handyman sort of time with your dad actually created that urge for you to become a tradesman yourself? Um, it def- oh, look, it definitely became, I got the, so I got the knowledge and the skills from, from doing that. Um, but at the time it wasn't an ambition. My ambition was to maybe be a footballer or be a doctor. So that was on my little, um, list. Cause I remember seeing an old book that I'd written that down in uh, and I thought, Oh really? Is that what I thought at that time? I think it was a Dr. Zeus book where you'd fill out, um, you know, all these things about yourself, your height and your size and um, how many buttons are on your shirt and um, how many pairs of shoes you have and then what do you <laughs> want to be when you grow up. And I remember seeing that I'd written those two things down, so footballer and a doctor. Um, so I, don't, I didn't realise that um, picking up skills or like being handy with tools, which, um, you know, he had an attitude where he would, you know, do it himself or there's nothing that he couldn't have a go at doing. Um, he'd kind of learn about it and have a um, and apply himself and and go ahead and do that. So, um, yeah, I, I probably just learnt um, to become familiar with with tools and and that's what probably what if was it was just natural for me to kind of um, pick it up later in life. Yeah, gotcha. And um, some of the things that we talked about earlier, the the favourite times you had you know, helping you around the home and playing footy and stuff. Are some of these things you're trying to replicate now as a father with your own children? Um, what am I replicating? Uh, yeah, I would say that that um, um, kind of trying to create a routine and um, get, get excited about um, sharing sport together is something that just comes easily for me to want to do. So my children enjoy playing soccer. So we, and, and it just can be applied to that when um, 
there's a big soccer event uh, I'd like to get um, make that into a special occasion so there's a bit of a build up and making sure that we've got all um, necessary food and drinks and and what have you to um, enjoy it uh, yeah so definitely there's a link between um, my experience and and trying to uh, replicate it yeah it's definitely the place to be during world cup your house yeah well uh gee i i just um big occasions i'm not i'm not so much into all the uh, throughout the year i just like the big the big events the festivals yeah. the festivals. yeah yeah definitely <laughs> awesome now um some of the um things that you've mentioned in the past you know sort of just the rituals of getting ready for those big sort of world cup games and stuff is that something that everyone gets involved in in the house or is it sort of you on the sidelines just creating an environment for the others to enjoy um a bit of both i'm, I'm definitely trying to lead the charge there and um so with the world cup for example it's, it's getting people up early in the morning um two in the Bruce morning or four <laughs> yeah. in the morning um but yeah i'm the one that will um kind of wrestle them out of bed and say it's on it's on everything's ready <laughs> um so yeah and then and then getting involved there's just that reflex of once you once the sport's on um there's like a switch that turns and um yeah you just uh i suppose the thrill just really enjoying the thrill of of the event um and i think that's contagious so the kids just naturally they're just drawn they're drawn into it do you you find i mean because you have seven children is there like a critical mass as well like if if like three of the children are involved in something then the others sort of join in too or yeah, they, it's funny, as they get older, the children are a lot more discerning on what they're going to get involved in or, or they're not. So or avoid. I, yeah, or <laughs> don't, avoid. Get a, don't hang around Dad. He's, <laughs> he's roping us in. Whereas into- the little ones, yeah. they're, they're, they're none the wiser and they're part of, I suppose, my big plan. And, um, and they're happy to get on board because there's always plenty of chips and, um, and drinks and um, who knows what little surprise I might have around the corner, some... Um, violet crumbles or something like this and um yeah so the the little ones there i suppose there's a look i'm happy just to do it with one or i'm happy to try and get as many as i can maybe four of the little the the younger ones but with the older ones there's no point in trying to 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 push them just say look i'm happy to get i'll get you up in the morning at at four if you like to and they'll say okay and then i knock on the door at four in the morning and um and I say it's on. The footy's on, and uh, and they'll uh, and they'll say no. I don't want to get up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, can you give us an idea of the age spread? The the different ages. Yeah, so we're talking nineteen down to five. Gotcha. And the younger ones. So you say it is it almost like a split half and half? Yeah. So uh, we've we've probably got um, the the split. There'd be one who's in uh, who's. 13 years of age and she's the, the tipping point between the two so she can she can kind of move between two camps and then there's the smaller camp um of the younger ones yeah ah, awesome and what's your favorite activity with the kids um i think it's uh getting just just kind of walking outside uh whether it's in the garden or out on, let's say, the beach, because I love seeing the kids um, just getting lost in um, things around them and becoming curious 
um, in small things or um, just if the older one's just enjoying um, being outside and whether they're doing cartwheels or or whether, you know, on a walk, for example, or they're, they're happy to chat. I can see that um, they're relaxed, they're, they're kind of curious, um, they're enjoying the elements and that actually brings me into that space as well. So the kids kind of remind me to slow down and enjoy um, the outsides. Uh, and that is, uh, I cherish that. So I like doing that with them and I think it's really good for me to kind of stop, get outside and, and go for um, a walk along the beach with them um, when it happens, yeah. What sort of frequency do you manage to do that? Um, no, not as much as I'd like to, but I suppose around the weekends, I like being at home on the weekends and I like being around the family. So getting outside with the kids is easy to do in the garden and around the house, um, and, and try and make something or do something or, um, do some gardening. Um, and the frequency outside on, uh, or going camping or getting down the beach. Um, look, I'd like to say I'd get every, um third weekend yeah well you guys have just moved into a new house haven't you yeah i mean so because i remember you living here while you were building the new house and it seemed like every time we went to the beach you guys would be here (laughs) i think you definitely banked away a a large amount of beach time when you were living 50 meters away yeah um because i do remember that time just being at the beach and you just appearing out of nowhere on a paddleboard i think that's right You, you had one of the kids on the end of the Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, Rich, fancy seeing you here. Saw you here yesterday, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It, it does get a bit hectic in the summer. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but I love that too. Yeah, it, it's like um, a pickup basketball game sort of thing, isn't it? You, you're walking on your way to the beach and there's bunches of kids sort of joining in because they're all carrying buckets yeah. and stuff down there. And they know each other. And uh, I, I've, I've thought what... what could be good down there is like a lost property for um spades and buckets where people could just um throw them in and then other kids the next day can come along and pick them out yeah it's just a big dustbin full of beach gear mm, mm. <laughs> i think yeah. the council should look into that that's actually not a bad idea <laughs> um so um with the the older kids as well do they still go down the beach with you um yeah they do like the weather has to be the weather has to be good um yeah, well, like, look, it depends. You just—they're busy as well, and they've got quite a social life. And and when they can find the the time for dad, or if um, you know the weather's fantastic and they're happy to go, um, so it's kind of like a few things have to be kind of lined up to to get the older ones to come with me to the beach. Yeah, yeah. And do you have any other activities with the old ones that has sort of developed over time? Um, I do like, well, it, it's kind of different for each child. Um, so, um, just having, uh, let's say trying to get a, a morning's breakfast together on a weekend. Um, like one of them is more inclined to enjoy that or take a couple of them to the cafe. Uh, that's kind of a great reward. That kind of works well. It's just a change of scenery and routine and that's refreshing um let's see um just um trying to find it's often in the evenings time together um if they're around the kitchen 
um, trying to get a conversations a conversation going when they're um, inclined to just hang around and have a conversation with that. I love just that. Um, Impromptu. Yeah, unexpected. Um, and then you just kind of go with the flow and, and see where that takes. And sometimes a conversation can go for 20 minutes, which is pretty special when the children are in that older age group. And do they still hang around the home quite a lot? Um, no, I would say, I'd say probably not. They, I'm often walking around the house saying, uh, who's here tonight? <laughs> who's staying? Who's where? Uh, whose house? Are they a roll at? call. Yeah, it is a bit of a roll call. They're often not here to, to <laughs> they're not often not there. So it's, I ask, um, you know, ask Fiona and she'll tell, she'll tell me who's home or who's not. <laughs> Has she totally got the numbers at any one time? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and do you have the opposite though? When there's like a, you know, two peaks, um, you know, adding on top of each other, and you've got like fifteen kids in the house. Yeah, and that's great. That that's I love I love seeing I love seeing um, people coming because I think at those age groups it's so important. Or I hear it's so important uh, friendships. Um, so for the older children to know that they've got uh, um, friends coming to the house. Uh, that's a that's a good sign, I, I, I figure. So people are, are always welcome to to stay the night, and and then it makes sense that my kids, uh, I'm happy with them spending time with other kids um, away away for the night because um, I think the kids can um, um, grow in um, grow up in a, in a supportive kind of environment with with friends in a way that I can't kind of can't compete with that. They they. they Friendships bring out other things in, in, in them. So I, I see that as a positive. Yeah. And what about mobility now? Because obviously the eldest one's 19. They're starting to sort of drive and, you know, go off other places. What was that like? Was that quite challenging, I guess, going through the whole learn to drive thing? Yeah, learn to drive. 120 hours you've got to get up. So it's that's a big deal in Australia, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> So it it is because you you it's it's the parents that that do that. Um, but look, sometimes it may not be convenient, but it really is a it's a plus time because you're together for that time. So I didn't. I'd say, um, and I would have only done a quarter of that time for for the for the oldest who's driving at the moment. But it's. I think it's really important because you don't get, um, especially with a, a, if you've got a, quite a few children, you may not get the the time or that quality time together where you're stuck together in the car. So that's nice, actually. Um, so that's uh, that's a plus. So sometimes I may not want to 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 go and do it after work, but I'm realising now that um, just finding times of being with an individual um, and not having other children in the background competing um, for time is is something that's quite valuable. So it's probably good when you've got a large family that you're forced to do the 120 hours. Yeah, it's interesting because everyone that I've talked to in the past have always sort of joked about it being, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of time. You know, it took ages to get them across the line. But it's great to hear that you you know, you looked at it favourably. It was one-to-one time, you know, precious, you know, father-child time. Yeah, um, and it's also you really are handing on some valuable information on what things to watch out for. 
and and avoid accident wise. And we, I remember running over a rabbit at one. I, I think together we've run over a rabbit and a, a bird. Yeah, <laughs> don't, don't do that. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, so it's something. I think this was drawn to um, just keep going, and and the animal didn't get out of the way. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, so it wasn't you that ran over the rabbit? No, I wasn't dry. I was on the, yeah, I was yep. in- instructing, yeah. What did you say? Um, it was a shock. It was like, uh, oh, where did that come from? Okay, just keep driving. We'll have a look at it on the way back, see whether it survived. And uh, no, it didn't. One of the things I did want to ask you, James, is having seven children, at what stage did you guys... Like, did it get easier after a certain point? Like, I've heard that there's like this number of five where you have five kids and it doesn't matter how many kids you have after that. It's all sort of, they sort of self-regulate. Is that a myth? Um, I, I think there's a lot of sense in it. I remember when we had three, that was the, the most difficult. And, the, and then after that, we were in the well and truly in the routine of it. So... Um, there is a, a point, surely, where it gets a little easier. Um, and then, of course, if you're snowed under, then uh, you can only do so much and you don't have to... <laughs> yeah. I don't know, you just say, well, that's all I can do, so I'm not going to worry too much about it. So maybe you can be a little over um, a little over precious with just one or two, as I remember being, and then, um, and then not giving nearly as much uh, um, worry... Um, with the uh, with the ones that came later, <laughs> do you do you have any advice for your that you would give yourself, like pre children, just before you had your first child? Ah, uh, the advice. Um, the advice would be that you're going to make um, a lot of mistakes, and things are going to get out of control, and you're not they're not going to go to plan, and um, ultimately, um, you're not running the show. Someone. <laughs> Yeah, someone else is. Um, the universe is running the show, and you're just, um, and you're a small cog in it. And so, I, I think it's about not trying to be too controlling, um, trying to um, um, surely we make a make a, a big impact on our children. But I think there's a, a bigger, bigger impact that's kind of set in stone well before. Um, uh, well before um, my my parenting, I think as an as an influence, I, I, I say, and I, I'm, I'm thinking along the lines of like their personalities are also they're also different, and um, their their interests are so are so different, and um, and that's a big such a big factor in 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 what draws them, I think, into their into their futures. Um, yeah, so I I think being a parent. Um, it's not, uh, it's, it's, you don't need to be as precious as, as what I may have thought I needed to be originally. It, they'll, um, they're pretty hardy and they can kind of, um, uh, and they've got their own drive. Yeah. Gotcha. How, how do you think your kids would actually describe you to their friends? Yeah, I saw that, uh, question and I thought, um, uh, to be fair to them, because I would like I would like them to think that I was fun, like a fun fun um, father, um, and just and trying to 
crack jokes and, and cajole them into to having a laugh. But um, I would say that it's a 50-50. There would be some fun, but then they'd probably think I was a hassle, always telling them what to do and um, when to do it and um, to clean up their mess, even though they say it wasn't their mess. I'm, I'm telling them that it was their mess. So it's a 50-50. I'd say... Um, you know, probably the dads on 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 their case a little bit too much, but then at the same time, um, there's um, they can be lighthearted as well. So, what kind of parenting hacks have you tried that worked out really well, even if only for a short time? Um, letting kids sleep in their school clothes that that's a good that's a good hack because um, it speeds things up in the morning. <laughs> Uh, yeah that that, that works (laughs) at what what stage did you crack onto that one um oh no it just it just let it it just let it kind of slide it's like what what battle are we going to take um are we going to get caught up in how messy the room is or are we going to get caught up in um what's not done that i plan to have done so i think kind of like the take-home point is um if it doesn't go to plan but it's just going to be another battle at the last you know time just the last few minutes before bed you just let it let it slide so letting things slide is a good hack (laughs) i like it (laughs) were were there any epic fails when you're trying different things yeah yeah it all comes back to bite you if you let things slide for too long um uh yeah so um epic fails no i think look the the rooms can get out of control when you've got three kids all sharing um the one room um um, and the house can get can get out of control as well but they're nothing like um giving them a really clear reward in um or a big carrot out there for them to clean up so it might be that we'll go to the beach if you just clean up your rooms and then, of course, they'll they'll clean them up pretty well. Gotcha. Yeah, and you mentioned the, you know, cleaning the teeth, obviously before they get any stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they love they love getting like all the younger ones love getting a, a book read to them, and so just be mindful that oh, I've got some great leverage here, so I'll don't forget to use the leverage and get a task done. Yeah. Yep, excellent. <laughs> I must. Have, and when you said about the three of the kids sharing a room together, like because we've got two kids sharing a room and we've rotated the kids. Like sometimes Ali will want to yes. share with Will, or you know, Will will want a room on his own, or Annie will want a room on her own, and and likewise. So how did you manage that? Um. Yes, we've got the the two boys and the five girls. So um, the boys always going to pair up, and then and then the and so it goes: boy, girl, boy, girl. So the two younger boys are always going to pair, and the the next two are always going to pair. Um, and then it, then I think later on, um, the person who gets the room to themselves is the oldest. So you just got to wait, and and eventually uh, you'll get less people in your room and you'll get maybe a room to yourself it's a war of attrition (laughs) yeah you just got to hope that that older person's going to move out (laughs) encourage so yeah yeah, university i've heard it's wonderful 
<laughs> yeah, it's house sharing, yeah. You should try it. <laughs> so um, some of the... Um, like what what are meal times like? I mean, preparing meals for nine people, that's that's gotta be pretty full on. Do you have any hacks when it comes to that? Um look what well, I yeah, that's a there's a fair bit in answering that question because I'm not a great uh I'm not a great chef and not a great pair um preparer. So I'm more the great recipient and, and I'll praise people for the fantastic meals. That, that <laughs> yeah, the recipients of other people's great preparedness. Yes. <laughs> so I'm more at the other end of the kitchen, the cleaning up and, and, um, and kind of helping get, get ready. So um, well, look, we're a big pastor family, um, the, that kind of quick meal. Um, often the kids want to, like, we try to get everyone to, to eat together and often that's really hard because of other commitments um, that the kids have got, the older ones. Um, but when it when it does work, it's kind of like making sure everyone stays at the table until the last one's finished and sometimes there's a little bit of a tug of war with that and that might happen maybe twice a week that we actually all get to sit together and the other times it's the little ones early and the older ones later or... or or not so i'd love it to be all around the table and everyone having a good conversation and and enjoying that it doesn't happen as often as i'd like it to and i think it's just because um it's just because of the busyness and and the different kind of routines that different people have the little ones and the older ones are on on a different kind of time frame yeah and you have a lot of like football training and stuff don't you a as lot well? of that moving people around in in yeah from about five o'clock till nine o'clock we're often someone's in the car driving someone coming back and then driving someone else somewhere else and coming back and then picking someone else from somewhere else and uh yeah it's like that <laughs> so now that the eldest one's driving that's actually yeah that's great uh, lifting yeah. the burden somewhat yeah, on, yeah. The, on the driving stakes so who would you say has been a role model for you, James, for being the parent that you are? Um, let's see. Uh, uh, it would be, I'm sure it would be my father um, and my mother, parents there, and my partner's parents. Um, so they're very different, the, the two groups. So my parents would have been or, or quite um, insistent and the, and the rules quite... Um, not not the implied rules would be quite strict where whereas you know and what i've seen in my partner's parenting is that they're um there's a lot more i'd say freedom in how they they um kind of engage with their children or how i assume they did when they were younger so it's kind of like a, a blend of those type of approaches that's they're the kind of um role modeling that that i'd say I, I do it's kind of like a bit of a little bit of strictness and then um a little bit of um kind of yeah you can go your own way what do you think um how it what, what would you like to do yeah so i'm, I'm sometimes i kind of I'm, I'm probably a bit of um i kind of flip around I'm probably hard to kind of gauge as a child on how my parent wants me to behave because it's it's kind of like fighting against what how I was brought up and then trying to raise my kids in a different way. Um, but then there's a whole lot of um, reflex ways of how I was raised, how that kind of flows on to how I raise the children as well. 
So it's kind of like a um, a bit of a to and fro um, method. Some things I do like, and some things um, that I like from um, other from my partner's parents. And do you notice that as you went through sort of obviously from child one to child seven, that your parenting style has changed somewhat? Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of the first ones, have been, it's more of an overprotective kind of manner. And then with the, and then as it's progressed, it's, it's kind of, kind of more being in the background and trying to um, be of assistance rather than directing there yeah, that's how I'd say the difference would be there's a bit more of um, uh, you like the facilitator eh? yeah much more of, of, so I'm not really on their case as as much and and I'm thinking to myself well I'm not going to tell them what to do because I didn't really enjoy being told what to do as a as a child so i'm trying to do the opposite of that and so well if my child wants to um go and um do something then i'm I'm more inclined to kind of give them leeway to to do it yeah whereas maybe with the first ones it's kind of being a bit more pushy and more instructing um I see there's a bit of resistance that comes from the kids and I, that reminds me of the resistance that I had as a child um, being raised by parents that were probably a little stricter. So um, it's more about, okay, well, I didn't enjoy that, so I'm going to give my children um, the opposite of what I didn't enjoy. Gotcha. Um, what do you actually worry about most, being a parent? Well, that's a good question coming off the back of, or what we just said, it's is my method um, I'm actually going to be beneficial ultimately for the children. So this idea of um, am I raising them well is probably the, that's the thing that kind of plays on my mind about um, their futures. So this idea of um, um, kind of letting them do as they please uh, – and but it's not it's not that it's not as irresponsible as that it's kind of like letting them follow their own interests i'm not trying to push my agenda or my expectations upon them so um but is that the right way to to go about raising a child that's probably something that kind of plays on my head or in my mind sometimes um yeah so it's a little bit it feels a bit like it's a roll of a dice uh yeah and that's what that's what i probably kind of um wonder whether that's the right way to go so following on from that james what do you see as like you've done an excellent job like what what's your outcome the the best outcome that you wish for your kids then that's is that if i do an excellent job what's my yeah i wouldn't yeah. say i've done an excellent job rich but yeah i'm just pulling your leg i know where you're, <laughs> you're coming from so what's the ultimate kind of um positive outcome for that you would wish for that, them. Yeah, that I'd, um, it would be the children um, living a passion or doing something that they're um, genuinely enjoying. So I, I see their mother who um, is she was a um, she studied design and she she still does that now and. Um, 
it's kind of like finding a not finding a passion um, is pretty much the key, I'd say. How many of your kids so far do you think have found a passion they're really into? Well, it's it's slowly evolving. There's a 15 year old who's got a passion for uh, for singing, so I, I see that as a it's kind of like oh that's a plus. That kind of only just popped out in the last couple of years, and um, and and that kind of validates my feeling of uh, finding having the encourage them to find their own um, interest and their and pursuing something that they particularly like that to me um, um, is starting to bear fruit in her um, with the older one she's not quite um, sure what she uh, is going to be doing long term and so she's just started university and she's kind of chipping away at a course and it's kind of well persist with it and just let it flow and and see where it where it takes you it's not kind of um trying to get on her case and encourage her to kind of become clearer about what she wants to do so um yeah um there's one in between those two who doesn't really um i don't think knows what she wants to do because she's always changing her mind uh but then I'm not really going to be on her case to try and pin things down. So, um, yeah, in her case, it probably can vary. I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing, is it, to be change to change and do lots of different things in, say, a relatively short period of time before you decide what you want to do as a career? Because you know, there's like a there's a great website um, called eighty thousand. Uh, hours.org I think it is and one of the ideas behind that is you know you spend 80,000 hours generally in a a career and so it's worth spending uh, a good Mm. sort of couple of years up front really sort of feeling and finding out what doesn't work more so than what does work and making sure that you are on the right path that sort of suits you so Mm. yeah it's not always a bad thing to be chopping and changing early on I think Mm. Yeah, well, that gives me peace of mind because you know that makes me think that she's that she's kind of getting a good taste of of, of different things and will eventually get her teeth into something that's really um, solid for her. Yeah, yeah, and I like like the fact that they're they're still you know only young and there's there's a you know a, a long curling path ahead of them so they don't have to rush into it. Do you actually have any hobbies yourself, James, that you like to share with your kids? Uh, my the hobbies that uh, like things like um, fishing, um, the bike riding, uh, are activities that that they love, and so I kind of tag on to their hobbies. Um, so, um, um, it's kind of just doing things that little kids uh, are interested in. They they become my hobbies. So. Um, doing activities outside, um, the gardening, um, uh, taking the dogs for the walk, um, kind of getting into the movies, the kids' movies. Um, so these little um, things that I start doing now um, are, are things that the kids actually do, which become my hobbies, yeah. <laughs> and because obviously with such a big family, you you have your your partnership to look after then you've got all these separate kids to look after as well like what do you do to look after yourself Mm. 
Um, look, I suppose I value my work. Um, that's what gives me um, kind of that space. So I enjoy going to work and, and leaving like a busy morning behind when everyone's getting ready for school. Uh, and um, there's the change of pace there. So what's good for me is having that evenness during the day that work provides. Um, so it's probably like there's an element of charging batteries there, but then you can get physically um, tired, I suppose, at the end of the day, and you've got to walk back in through that front door and um, you kind of... Uh, all systems go. Yeah, it's all systems go again. So uh, it's, I suppose it's a little bit of um, uh, time at the end of the, of the evening too. I can find time for myself then from... I suppose, 9, 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock. How do you think your work actually feeds into your parent, uh, parenting? Uh, I suppose it's having that... Uh, uh, there's a kind of rhythm with working, um, running a small business, you're meeting um, clients and, and spending some... As a, as a painter for myself, meeting clients and um, having a, a, like a two-week kind of uh, relationship where you're working but there's a means to an end and you're trying to get the job done uh, so I think that and I've been doing it for quite some time so the idea of uh, kind of having that kind of short-term goal orientated kind of uh, relationship can feed into uh, I'm sure it does raising a family with kind of like a short-term goal in in mind in relationships as well and i think there's a bit of a danger in that because we've got the long-term relationship in um in a family with with each person so i think it's a matter of trying to um kind of switch out of that a little bit so trying to switch out of a work um habit of relating and trying to relate in a in a, in a way that's not so goal orientated, um, that's that's how I'd I'd say how work would feed into my parenting. Yeah, um, that style of uh, of, of yeah, being goal focused. Gotcha. And when you actually come back from work into the house, does it take quite a while to actually transition, or is it as stark as you cross that threshold? Um. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely stark, but you're used to it though. So you come you home and you kind of like your body knows what to expect, even though your mind's on another planet. You've just you've been listening to something on the radio, or you've just finished work. Um, and I don't think you're aware of a transition. That transition has already <laughs> happened. And uh, if you're aware of it, it's too late. <laughs> too late. Um, so. Look, I think I think it's just something that would happen over you know the course of time. So over years, you look back and you think, oh, what's what's working? What do I or don't I need to do? Um, you know, do I need to slow down? One thing I've done is is try not to be as tired. So it's like eating well in the afternoon. So trying to get another feed in before I go home. So I often find that I'm eating more um, 
um, like at four or five o'clock and getting well stocked up and then going into the house. I mean, my wife probably wouldn't want to hear this. But <laughs> that, I feel no. like... She, don't worry, she won't hear no. it. <laughs> so that, uh, that um, five to seven o'clock, it's kind of like making sure that I'm, I'm not as fatigued so that... Because that's a bit of a hectic time. Um, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not as kind of... Um, reactive i probably is, is a good react is a good um description because if, if i'm tired and a little bit overwhelmed from work then i'm more reactive to, to whatever's going on so um um yeah so trying to um charge the batteries just before the end of the day in some way so i might i might even take the long way home and um drive down and look out over the foreshore and keep listening to whatever is on the radio. So it just gives me an opportunity to... Because um, I just don't feel like rushing, getting um, getting on to that uh, train of um, feeding the kids and um, getting ready for bed and uh, and what have you, or just trying to um, calm things down, or, or, or just maybe not... I may not be um, up for that in that moment. So being aware of that and just kind of adjusting, I think... Uh, I think that's good and so being easier on myself for kind of like taking that time out for myself for five or ten minutes before coming home um is good or having a you know having finding the time to pull over and have a break and and get a coffee and just ready yourself yeah there's a little bit of readying which i think is good and i think that comes from you know i've had the experience of being um you know, kind of uh, just a little too instructive of everybody and telling everyone what to do and uh, who should set the table now and who should... It's not really the best domain for a father when he's um, kind of um, had a tiring day. And hungry. And hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're basically removing variables before you get home. Yeah. Factors that I realised, um, um, you know, have you know make have an effect. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And you mentioned uh, just when we had the mic off that you know, some of the things that, that play on your mind a bit as well. Like, can you talk about those a bit? Um, so they're like um, this idea of a, an identity of, well, I've got all these um, boxes ticked and things are going so well and how I'm kind of managing the family and my relationship with my partner and um, my own personal well-being and and that's all well and good, and that works well within that sphere. And so when things are a little um, unexpected, and one of your questions was how are things, you know, what the, like the future for, for the children, that kind of threw me because I feel like there's, um, at the moment, my, all my focus is very much on just managing at the moment. And looking beyond um, is something that I don't really do because I'm busy um, balancing you know, keeping things up in the air. So um, on on one hand, I feel like this identity of what I'm doing at the moment, I've ticked that box. But if you stretch me a little bit too far out or go into areas where I feel like I might be lacking a little bit, then, yeah, that's a real, that's a real challenge. Um, and I think that's a challenge because, um, yeah, probably because I feel like I'm a little um, right up to my limit in in keeping um all the plates up in the air uh yeah well i I certainly know that having three kids feels like there's there's way too many plates to keep spinning at any one time so i only look on in in awe when i see you guys managing a family of seven kids 
Yeah, it's 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 funny you should say that because you could have one or none. It's it's kind of life seems to 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 constantly give everybody <laughs> gives you just as much as you can take, <laughs> or more than you can. Yeah, yeah. yeah like it. No, I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. It certainly feels like that sometimes. Yeah, someone's playing with us. That's yeah. For sure. yeah, is someone watching right now? <laughs> Now, um, I, I know it's a bit of a, a macabre f- thought, but um, h- how would you actually like your kids to think of you if the worst should ever happen and you had an accident or something? Um, it's, I'd like them to think that they know, or I'd like to think that they know that they are loved, so um, or they are loved or they're valued and loved. Um, even though, um, uh, even though the, the parenting style might just be a little bit crazy, or, the, or or dad's approach is a bit unusual or peculiar, or um, um, sometimes it's uh, it's not what the kids would like. Um, I'd still like to to, to think that, uh, in in spite of however we were raised, the the couple of fundamentals um, being that. Um, that they f- that they had a sense that um, and they were they were supported. Um, so it's it it to me it's it's a bit more like not what we actually do um, with them. It's it's more like just being present, just being there, just being available, just being around. I think uh, k- kids appreciate um, having a dad or a dad figure having someone that's that's just there uh i think they get the, a lot of support out of of that and then the other things are just um on top of that it's like the icing on the cake so thinking like that helps me because um it's not so much what i do or where i may fail or succeed um I don't think that's as important as kind of not achieving, not trying to achieve um, for them, but just being kind of comfortable in myself with them because I'm just um, um, – because just being there is like 49% of it and then the activities and and the, and the doing, um, you know, running around, doing things with them, I, I feel like – that's a that's another bit that gets you over the line but the big bit is just is just being um is is just being available i think um so um just in being available um is just a sign of uh they get a lot from that and i think there's this natural parent child um thing going on where where the children want to feel loved um uh, and I think it will. Uh, they get a sense of of what what that is, for, whatever it is for them. But it kind of ticks a box for them. So um, I'd like to think that they say, "Look, I've had a taste of that, and and that's um, nourishing, and that's good." And having that sense is more important of recalling dad for um, a particular 
you know, the number of things that we did or, or where we went on holidays. Because even on, on those great occasions, you're not actually thinking of your parents. You're thinking of, of the great occasion or, or what you were given. You're not thinking that it was given by my dad, just that I had it, I suppose, as a, as a child. Um, yeah, so it's, um, yeah, it's just leaving them with um, a sense of, con- um, yeah, some type of fulfilment in themselves or some kind of taste of, um, of um something um yeah that's solid that's that's like just some um peacefulness or some support or yeah so when if they were to think of of me i think i'd I'd like them to think of um uh just a fondness um, i'd be happy with that that's yeah, a feeling of fondness ah oh, thanks for sharing that james that's great no and um I know we've uh, I've kept you up late as well, so I think uh, we'll we'll draw it to a close. Oh, now. please don't, Rich. I, I enjoy <laughs> staying up late and uh, having and, a wine and a beer. And just the two of us, yeah. <laughs> um, Let's keep it going. But um, no, no, I I do appreciate your time, James. It's it's been great chatting. Is there anything that you'd like to say in in closing or? Ah, uh, Rich. Um, look, I think this is fantastic. The uh, the idea that. Um, dads asking other dads um you know how to how to how to be a dad um i think it's fun i don't think we'll ever know the ultimate answer but we're all on the same page and and i'm I'm, i commend you for taking on the the challenge to kind of inquire deeper (laughs) (laughs) thanks james (laughs) well um, thanks again for coming on the show and um yeah if anyone wants to reach out to james um, should we put you, uh, just get them to contact through the website yeah. or something yeah, like that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Look, I'm happy to chat. I don't know if I can help you in any way, but yeah, well, happy to chat. <laughs> you've certainly got a bit more experience than most of us. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> no, um, it's been fantastic. Thanks ever so much, James. Well, thanks ever so much for listening. I'm super grateful for everyone's support so far. If you know any other parents or parents-to-be that might enjoy listening to these conversations as well, please send them a link to the show. It's awesome to see it reaching a larger and larger audience. In the meantime, have a great week and enjoy your caffeinated beverage.